Today's shear begins at the top line of Daf Mem Beis. The Gemara opens with a quote from a Tanaic source that we saw back on Daf Mem Omid Aleph, 16 rows from the top. The source there dealt with Levium, Nazirim, and Mitzayroyim as requiring Tiglachas, requiring the haircut. And the source said, and we read in our Gemara, Omar Mar, a quote from there, the Chulam, Shegilchu, Shalobatar, all of them, the three categories we mentioned, if they took their haircuts without a razor, O Shishairu, Shte, Cyrus, Lo Osu, Veloklum, or they shaved their entire heads, but leaving two hairs uncut, they have done nothing. Based on this source, the Gemara wants to conclude a general concept. And on the side of the Gemara, we have a, no say, a topic heading, which says, Rubo Kikulo Midoraisa, that Rove, the majority of things in general, wherever you have a, an issue of a, a doubt or a conflict and you need to resolve it, you can base your resolution on the majority. That concept is uh, that rubo, that the majority, kikulo, is considered like the entire mass, midoraisa. That's a Torah level idea. The Gemara. Omar Rav Acha Brei Durav Iko Zoysaymeris. From this Tanaic source, we conclude Rubo Kukulo Midoraisa. That where you have Rove, where you have a majority, that is considered like the whole thing, and that that is a Torah based idea. Mimai, well, how do you see that from this? Answer, Midagoli Rachmona Gabi Nozir. From the fact that the Torah reveals to us, with regard to the Nozir, it says, Bayom Hashvi'i Yigalchenu. And on the seventh day of his uh, Nazirus that he happened to experience a state of Tumor, he shall shave his head. And we say that Hocha, who the Adi Kokulo, here by Nazir, we require all the hair to be shaved. Hobealmo, but in other cases, Rubo Kokulo. Before going further, let's glance at the Teisvis on the top line, the top Teisvis, Omar Mar, Oishishayu Shtev Sarso, Lo Osu Vlo Klum, Zot Samaris, Derubo Kekulo Doraisa, Midagoli Rachmona Gabi Nozir, Bayom Ashvigachenu, from the revelation of the Torah, that the Nozir shall take his haircut on the seventh day of purification, the Lo Itzrich, that teaching that he needs to shave his head isn't really necessary. There's another Pesach that says he shall shave his head. So why is this idea repeated here? It's here to inform us that here a total hair shave is required where he leaves nothing behind. Here, the Torah went out of its way to tell me that you have to literally remove all the hair. But in general, we would conclude that the majority is as if you did everything. We turn back to the Gemara. Maskif law, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Hanina. Rabbi Yossi asks, regarding the source that was just cited, the scriptural source, Bayom 
Hi, Benazir Tomek Siv. This Pasuk appears in the context of a Nazir who became defiled. Whereas the Tanaic source that we quoted at the top, back from Daf Mem Amal Aleph, that Tanaic source implied that a Nazir Tohor as well, uh, we are saying Rubo Kikulo. Machaku Allah Bimarova. Here we have a response that takes a few lines to. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi question. Now, Mochva literally means they uh, they jeered what he had asked in Eretz Yisrael. But it's a, a reference to a particular opinion that says in response there is no basis for making a distinction between Nazir Tomei and Nazir Tohor. Michti, Nazir Tomei de Betar where do we know that a Nazir who had become defiled and needs to take her haircut after seven days of purification that the haircut must be done with a razor. Where is that information learned from? Minosir Toriolov, it's derived from the rules that pertain to Nozir Tohor. Lacy Nozir Tohor, Philelif Minosir Tome. Now, let us go in the other direction and learn, derive laws concerning the Nazir Torah from the laws that pertain to Nazir Ovad, just like by a Nazir Tomei after his haircut if two hairs remain uncut he hasn't accomplished anything so to here with regard to the Nazir Torah if he leaves two hairs behind he hasn't done anything so as we said before, in, uh, in the context of the Nazir, literally everything must be removed. All the hair must be, remo- must be removed. However, in general, rubo kikulo. On the side we have a nosei, topic heading, slash mivne, structural note, with a triangle featured. And we've written two questions that deal with a nozir who take, took the haircut but but left behind uncut two hairs. We continue in the Gemara. Boy Abaye Nozir Shegilach Vishir Shtesaris. Abaye asks a nozir that took his haircut but left two hairs. Tsomach Rosho. The two hairs remained on his head while the rest of his hair grew back. The Chozar Vigilchon Mahu. And then, after having marked, so to speak, those two hairs, identifying those two original uncut hairs, he then cut them. When in the meantime, the rest of his head of hair had grown back. What is the din? Mi Ma'akvi Olo. Do we say that since when he took the original required Nozir haircut, he left those two hairs. They remain a binding, restrictive feature, and his cutting of them right now isn't going to help, because at this point the rest of his hair has grown back. Or do we say that, well, right now he's cutting them, and that is sufficient. And the fact that the rest of his hair grew back that is not a restrictive factor. The Gemara doesn't answer that. It goes on with another question. Boy Rava. Nozer Shigilach Vihniach Shte Cyrus. 
Uh, you'll notice that we have a uh, number one because this question really appears in two stages. The first stage is rejected as being a question. Uh, a couple lines later, you see we squiggle under an Elo Amo that represents the restatement of what the question ought to be. So in the meantime, Rava is asking about a Nazir that took his haircut, left two hairs, the Gilach Achas, and then he came to cut those last two hairs, he cut one Venosra Achas and the second one fell off. So he didn't do a cutting of the last two hairs, he cut one, but the other one, the last one fell out. Mahu. Omar Le Rav Acha Midifti the Ravina. Ravacha says to Ravina regarding this question, Gilach, Syro, Syro, Komiboya, Leila. Rava is Rava asking about someone who's cutting his hairs individually one by one. The Rashi explains further. Let's read the Rashi together. Gilach, Syro, Syro, Komiboya, Leila. Rava, Pshita, the Kevon, the Gilach, as Kol Rosho, Labarme Hanoch, De Cyrus. It's clear to us that. Once he's cut the rest, the, the hair, uh, all his hair off, with the exception of these last two hairs, the chihadar gilach achas mehen venoshla chaverta. When he then goes to cut the last two, he cuts one and the other one falls out. Shapir, it's fine. The kaozil umiglach kiurche. He is, in effect, a- approaching his haircut in a normal way. The command to Ozil Megaleach Syro Syro. It's no different than someone who would be cutting hair, one hair, one by one. He intended to cut each one, those two last hairs. He cut one, the last one, and then fell out. What could he possibly do about it? So we go, we go back to the Gemara, <coughs> being that the <coughs> scenario number one uh, doesn't appear to be something that needs to be asked. It's clear that he's yotze, that he's fulfilled his nazir requirements, his nazir haircut requirements in that fashion. Elo Eimol, the Gemara continues number two. Noshro achas v'gilach achas mahu. He cut the, uh, the hair off his head, left two hairs, and then when he's about to return to cut those last two hairs off, one hair falls out before he cuts any of them, of those last two. One falls out, and he cuts the last one hair. Omar lay. So, he answers. Sayar ein kan, giluach ein kan. There is no hair over here, and there's no hair cut over here. We ask, if you're saying there's no hair over here, in other words, that the haircut is considered accomplished, so then, then there's a fulfillment of the giluach, the haircut requirement. So how can you say both seyor enkan and giluach enkan? That would be almost contradictory. So the Gemara answers, even though Technically speaking, there is no more mitzvah of giluach. In other words, the hair requirement has uh, been fulfilled. Einkan mitzvahs. Let me read that again. Afapishaser einkan mitzvahs giluach einkan. You nevertheless do not have the fulfillment of the mitzvah in its fullest form. To appreciate this response, we glance 
together at the Rosh commentary on the lower part of the page. We have a little star in the Rosh to make it easier to find. Since at the initial haircut, Shear Cyrus, he left behind two hairs. And at, with that, you don't fulfill the original haircut requirement. Now when he comes to complete the haircut, he doesn't see two hairs left. He sees only one hair left. He didn't fulfill the mitzvah of Giluach in the fullest sense. We continue in the Gemara. But before we continue with the Mishnah, let's just mention regarding that last point, that as we've said till now, cutting all the hair and leaving two hairs behind... It's as if no haircut took place. So you see that in order to accomplish the mitzvah of a proper haircut, he would have to cut off the two hairs. Being that when he came to cut off those two last hairs, one fell out, so he wasn't doing a, we'll say, a full-fledged mitzvah of haircutting. Haircutting would mean you have to cut off the last two hairs. Well, that didn't take place because the first of the last two fell out you ended up cutting the last hair. So as we saw, there's really nothing you can do about it, but to say that you fulfilled the mitzvah of haircut in the fullest sense, that cannot be said. Before uh, we begin the Mishnah, we glance at the side, we have a Nosea topic heading, Moni Masnis and the Gemara will be asking uh, concerning this Mishnah, it's a very brief quote of a brief Mishnah that's quoted here, only one line, the Gemara will ask, who is the author The Tana that makes a distinction between these two uh, motions or two uh, actions done to the hair, that is, that's okay, but Srika, Srika is generally understood to be something like combing, that would be forbidden. So the Mishnah says, Nozir Choyfeif U Mephasfeis, Avoloi Sorek. The Rashi says on the lower part of the page, Nozir Choyfeif U Mephasfeis, Choyfeif Kmo Choyfeif Olov Koayom, Noshon Megamreid. It has to do with scratching one's head. And Mephasfeis, Rashi explains, Shemafrid Sarois of Zumizu, a separation of individual hairs one from the other. Of a lobe but not a separation using a comb. So our Mishnah says that scratching one's head or separating hairs by hand would be okay, but combing would not be allowed. The Gemara, Chofeif Umefasveis, Moni, who would say that there is allowance of Chofeif Umefasveis? Rabbi Shimon, he. This would be in accordance with Rabbi Shimon. The Omar Dover Shein Miskavi Mutter. Rabbi Shimon has a principle that we see applied here, and you see it in Masech, in with regard to Hilchas Shabbos, and you find it in many other locations as well. That let's say forbidden outcomes that uh, uh, that uh, uh, occurred as a result of an action, but the action was without the intention of producing that forbidden outcome. The person is said to have violated nothing. Nothing wrong was done. That's Dover Shemus Gavin, something that you did not have intent for, Mutter, is allowed. So, a Nozir, 
would be allowed to chofef, to scratch his head or separate hairs. He has no intention of having the hair itself uh, dislodged. The Mishnah goes on to say, but he cannot do sorek. Well, I saw in the Rabbonan. If you're combing your hair, you're combing because you're interested in separating hairs. You're not interested in, in up, uprooting the hairs. And yet the Mishnah prohibits that. Even though it's a dover she'ein miskaving, you had no intention for the forbidden outcome of hair removal, still the Mishnah restricts it. So that doesn't come out like Rib Shimon, that comes out like those that argue with him, like the Rabbonon. So what kind of Mishnah structure have, even though it's a very short Mishnah, it's split. Reisha, Rib Shimon, Sefer Rabbonon, should we say that the Reisha conforms to Rib Shimon? The Sefer does not, it works out like the Rabbonon. Omar, Rabba, Kula, Rib Shimon, he. This entire Mishnah is in course with Rib Shimon. You'll ask then, what about the restriction of Sorek? So the Gemara explains, cause Sorek, anyone who puts a comb to their hair, lahasir nimen medudolos miskavin. His intention is actually to remove the nimen hairs medudolos that are loosely attached. In other words, to remove loosely attached hairs. And we dash on the miskavin, indicating this is something even Rav Shimon would find to be prohibited. In our previous Mishnah, we saw the word Chofeth. The Mishnah that we're about to learn, you'll see Rabbi Shmuel mentioning not to be Chofeth, lo yachuf. On the side of our Gemara, under the Nosei, the topic heading, we've written, Ein lachfoif ba'adoma, b'bnei shem asheres haseor. Lachfof, Tosfos points out, quotes a foreign word, and he says, Shiochuf Baroishoi Benesu Vadoma. This would have to be a process that's probably similar to what we would call rinsing out one's hair, shampooing. The material that one used then, the substance that one used, is either Nesser, a type of mineral, or Adoma. Adoma is translated often as dirt, earth. So, our Mishnah has Rabbi Shmuel teaching not to be chofef using Adoma. Why? Because it's masheris as a sayer, it causes the hairs to fall out, to be dislodged, to be removed. The Mishnah. Rabbi Shmuel, Omer, lo yochuf ba'adoma, v'neisha masheris es ha'seyar. The Gemara asks a question. You'll notice it's a long question with two parts. Ibayalaho, two sides of the question. Mipnei Shehi Masheres Eshaseotanan is the Mishnah to be understood as an explanation as to why dirt is prohibited, and it is because it, the dirt, causes the hair to fall out. While rinsing it or shampooing it, it will fall out. O Dilma Mipnei Hamasheres Tanan. Or is the Mishnah saying not to use dirt, not because dirt itself causes the hair to fall out, but if you use dirt, then you might come to use another substance, a substance that does cause the hair to fall out. The Gemara asks, Lamai nafkamina, what difference does it make? You, either way you look at things, you can't use dirt. Kagon di'iko adoma dolo masra. 
The point of difference would be in this analysis, if you have a substance, a, a material that does not cause any hair to fall out. E amris mitnei shehi masheres tanan. If the analysis is the first way, namely, Rabbi Shmuel says, do not use dirt because it causes hair to fall out. So, hechod yadino delo masro shapir, where you know that it doesn't cause falling out. Masra is the same as masheres, the tough and the shin interchange. So, if the first approach is the way to go, then where you know that the substance does not cause hair to fall out, it would be okay. Eloi amris mipnei hamasheres, if the prohibition against using dirt is a gzera, because using any kind of dirt might be confused with the kind that does cause hair to fall out, then klal klalo, then all types of adoma would be prohibited, even the kind that doesn't cause the hair to fall out. Teku. So this remains unresolved. Uh, the result of this would be that if you take a stringent approach, then you would be prohibited in even using the kind of dirt that does not cause hair to fall out. As we continue with the next mission, you notice a diamond appears, and on the side under the Mivne heading, we've indicated Pu'ulos Asuros Lenozir. Different actions that are prohibited for uh, uh, prohibited upon a Nozir. The uh, just the bird's eye view of what we're going to see. You'll see reference made to his drinking of wine, shaving uh, the uh, hair, hair on his head, and exposure to defilement. The Mishnah: Nazir shohaya shoyse yayin kol hayom eino chayavelo achas. A Nazir that was warned at the beginning of the day, don't drink wine, and he spends the rest of the day drinking. He might consume many bottles of wine. He's only going to be liable to one punishment, one set of lashes. He's warned numerous times, do not drink, and each time after the warning, he drinks. So you have a situation of warning, drinks, warning, drinks, the Mishnah tells us, he's going to be liable for each drinking. If he was warned at the beginning of the day, and he starts cutting hairs, and we know that a nozir is chayav for cutting each hair, each hair carries with it a potential penalty, but... He received only one warning, so the rest of the day that he spends cutting theirs will result only in one punishment. He's warned numerous times, and following each warning, he cuts another hair. He'll be held responsible and liable to punishment for each one. He defiled himself to the dead all day. He's going to be responsible or guilty of only one punishment. We continue at the top of Omid Beis. The topic that we'll be seeing now is explained or introduced on the side under our Nosei slash Mivne heading. 
a double underline appears. This uh, highlights the Machlokas Rabba and Rav Yosef. And we should say that Rabba and Rav Yosef both uh, are trying to represent Rav Huna's opinion. So you have two versions of Rav Huna. And they have a disagreement between Kefel Tumos Benazir. Multiple Tuma as it applies to a Nazir. Let us imagine he touched a corpse and then went into a room, it went into an overshadow where he and the and and a corpse were both located. That is a case of we'll say Kefel Tumosa repeat Tumos. We noted that there's a machlokis Rashi and Taisus Bahavona Sasukya. Not unusual for our Masechta, a dis, uh, disagreement or a discrepancy arises between Rashi and Taisus and how to present the Gemara. The, the Gemara Itmar Omar Rabo Omar Avhuna Mikra Mole Diber Hakosuv Lo Yitama Ukshu Oimer Lo Yovo La Ziro Al Hatuma La Ziro Al Habia Avotuma Vituma Lo. We look at the Rashi at the top. Mikra Mole Dibra Kosuf Benazir. Means a Posik appears explicitly in Nazir. Bamidbor Perek Vav Posik Zayin Lo Yitama Lehem Bemoisam. La Haziro Al Hatuma. To warn Nazirim not to become defiled to the dead. Ukshachoza Vyomar. Kol yimei haziro l'ashem al nefesh meis lo yavo. That's it. Posuk vov. Chazar v'ziro al bias oyel shabo meis. The prohibition of entering a room in which there is a corpse. Lo marloch. The we'll say the double warning that you see here tells me shim nitma b'meis v'chazer v'nichnas b'oil shi'esh b'meis chayev shtayim that if he defile himself by touching a corpse outdoors, no overhang, no overshadowing over him and the corpse, just he happened to touch a corpse, and then went into an oil, an oil. We can use the, the example of a room just for convention, but it includes cases of a common overshadow. And then he went into an oil in which there was a corpse, Chayev Shtayim. He's thereby violated the two prohibitions. Rashi goes on, Avotuma v'tuma, avolim nitma b'meis, v'chozer v'noga b'meis acher, ba'oid shunogea b'meis rishon. But, if he, let us say, touched a corpse, and while he's touching the first corpse, he then touches a second corpse, he will not be considered um, a, an, a, a, an offender of a second offense. As Rashi said, he's already already in the middle of his original by touching the first body. As we mentioned before, Toysvis explains this in a different fashion, but for the time being, we will continue with the Rashi. Rav Yosef 
Omar. Rav Yosef reacts to Rabbah's presentation of Ravuna. Note that this um, lasts a number of lines. We have a long marking. Rav Yosef says, It's a, an expression, a type of, uh, let's see, oath. Omar Ravuna afilu tuma v'tuma. Ravuna says there is a double um, violation for the case of being mitame, uh, touching a corpse, and then touching a second corpse. The Omar Ravuna, Nozir Shoya Oime Bevesak Voros, Vahoshitu Lo Meso Umesacher, a Nozir who was standing in a cemetery, and standing in a cemetery is understood to be an example of a an individual who defiled himself to the dead. So you have someone that defiled himself to the dead, and they handed him either a a dead relative of the Nazir Meso, his own mace, meaning a dead relative of his, or some stranger that was deceased, the Noga Bo, and touched those, touched that corpse, Chayev. Am I? Why is he Chayev? Well, he's already Tomei by having been in the cemetery. Elolav Shmami Ravuna. From here we see that Ravuna holds Afilu Tumo Vitumo for having defiled himself a second time while being defiled already, he is considered guilty. Esfei Abaye. So Abaye asks on Rav Yosef from a Tanaic source, Koen Shohoya Lo Meis, Munoch Al Ksefo. A Kohen who, by the way, uh, is also, like a Nazir, prohibited against defilement to the dead. A standard coin has a less uh, restrictive prohibition, but both fall into the category of being uh, warned against defilement to the dead. Coin shohayalomes munach alksefo, a coin that had a body slung over his shoulder, vahoshitu lo meso umes acher, and they handed to the coin a dead relative or another deceased individual and touched it touched this uh, second dead body will he be considered guilty for that second touching the Torah warns against his uh, defiling uh, profaning his priesthood and we learn from this when is there a violation? When one is pure and then initially defiles himself. To the exclusion of this scenario, he's already defiled. So when he's already defiled, the second defilement is of no concern. Well, that would be against Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef claims that Rav Huna holds that a Nazir who was already defiled by being in the cemetery and was handed a corpse, that second action of defilement does create guilt. Omar Lay. So Rav Yosef says back to Abaye, Vitikshiloch Masnisen. Well, doesn't the Mishnah pose a difficulty to you, Disnan? The Mishnah says, 
Here you see from the, the last part of this quote where we dashed underline, we see multiple uh, uh, violations. So that each time he touches another corpse, he should be held guilty. And that's against what you, Abai, are trying to argue. Ve'amai, why, according to you, is he chayev for each corpse? Ha'metame v'koyim, is he not already defiled? Well then, elokash yadodi. Well now we have a seeming contradiction between two sources. The source that Abai quoted indicates that the Kohen, once he's defiled, his second contact does not result in any further liability. Whereas, our Mishnah would seem to say to the contrary. Loi kashya. Really, there is no contradiction. Kan b'chiburin, kan shelo b'chiburin. According to Rashi, the case of chiburin, chiburin literally means attached. That when we saw in the uh, source that Abaye quoted, the Kohen had the corpse, a, a corpse slung over his shoulder. While the corpse was on his shoulder, he touched a second mace. So the touching of the second mace does not increase any liability because, because he's already attached to a source of uh, defilement, of death defilement. So, in a case like that, it's only viewed as an extension of the original defilement. However, the our Mishnah, the second source quoted, it says, That's a case, meaning he touched one body, then detached himself from that body, and then touched a second body, and detached himself from that, and so on and so forth. That would result in multiple uh, violations. So the case of chiburin, for our purposes, is a, a, it can be described as one extended tumor, a singular extended tumor. The Gemara asks, the tumor bechiburin doraisa. Is this concept of attached attachment to tumor? A Torah concept, Torah meaning Torah versus, let's say, rabbinic stringency. Is this a Torah level concern? Four different areas of halacha were just mentioned: Truma, Kachim, Nozir, and Oisa Pesach. And the distinction is made, the concept of Tumah B'chiburin would have relevance only for truma consumption and sacrificial detail. But with regard to a Nazir and someone who is doing a Korban Pesach, someone who is about to do a Korban Pesach, the Chiburin concern would fall away. We haven't explained this yet, but just to conclude the question, the Amris Doraisa Maishna, if Chiburin is considered one long tumor, why should any distinction be made? In order to appreciate the question, we'll uh, learn together the Rashi. On the second line under the Gemara text, the tumor b'chiburin, 
Is it on a total level considered like one extended tumor? Since when he touched the second body, he was still attached to the first body. He's not considered liable for a second offense because it's just one long tumor. Is that a Torah level concept? Continuing in the Rashi, the whole If a person touches a corpse, the oiches bo, and he, he clings upon the corpse, the yado acheres nesuna biad chavero, and his other hand is uh, clasped, clasped within the hand of his friend, his living friend. We don't say that the friend is considered attached to the corpse. Only with regard to sacrifices and truma, the tithe given to Kohanim. That if uh, the friend happened to be a Kohen and he wanted to partake of truma or sacrifices, he would have to wait seven days. Namely, we would be viewing the friend who's not directly attached to the corpse, but through this connection to someone that is touching the corpse simultaneously, we would view the friend as being Tomei for seven days which is uh, synonymous with himself having, as if he himself touched the corpse. But, if that friend was a nazir, and the question would arise, does he lose the nazirus days that he counted? Would he then have to bring sacrifices for his having defiled himself? Defiled himself to the dead, or or if it was the fourteenth of Nisan, and he had to do a korban pesach, would we say that he is now restricted from doing a korban pesach? Uh, like would be the case, anyone who became defiled to the dead directly to the dead uh, within a week before pesach, so that. On the 14th of Nisan, which is the date for doing the Pesach, you would still be within your seven-day Tumor period. Would this person be restricted from doing the Korban Pesach? Lo Tumor With regard to the Nazir and the Yosef Pesach, we don't view the friend as if he's attached. The Rashi goes on. If you are going to say that while being attached to Tuma, uh, any further attachment is considered just like one long extension of the Tuma, then Rashi goes on. Why should there be any distinction? We turn back to the Gemara. And I dare say that many of you might have already guessed the answer before going on in the Gemara. 
כאן בחיבורי אדם באדם, כאן בחיבורי אדם במייס. If you're dealing with uh, one that we said before, a friend that, that uh, grabbed the hand of someone who was touching a corpse, that's the case of Chibure Adam Adam, where someone is attaching himself to a person who in turn is touching a body. That is the we'll say Tuma B'chiburin in which we make a distinction between Trumo uh, Kachim versus Pesach and the Nozir. However, the case of Chibure Odeh B'meis there we say that it's considered one long Tuma whereby a person touched a corpse or had a corpse slung over his shoulder and then he touches another corpse that second corpse does not engender a second liability because of the concept of Tumah Richter, one long Tumah. The case of a person connected to a person who is touching a mace, the idea of one long Tumah extending to the second party, that is limited. It's not the same thing as the case of Chibure Odom, the mace. One person touching, we'll say, simultaneously two bodies. We continue with further analysis of what we've learned till now. Avol tumah v'tumah lo. We said above, we have a little arrow uh, to help you navigate. And you see way above, when Rabah initially presented his version of Rav Huna, he presented it with a distinction between a case of tumah v'tumah versus Tuma Ubiya. Whereas in the case of Tuma Vatuma he had uh, been touching corpse number one and while touching corpse number one he came into contact with corpse number two. There we said that the second corpse does not generate an additional liability. But however, with regard to Tuma Ubiya, uh, Rav Huna, according to Rabo, said the subsequent entrance after having touched the corpse, that does generate a second tumor. So now the Gemara questions this, this distinction. Why does the second corpse not engender a, a second liability? It's because he's already tome, he's already in contact with the first body. But the point is, he's already tome. Well, in the case of someone that had contacted a mace and then uh, went into a room where there was a second body, before he entered that room, he was already Tome. Why then do you say that he is Chayev, he is guilty of entering a room with a body in it? Omar Rav Yochanan we look at Rashi in order to really appreciate this answer. When it was said, when we said uh, the opinion that Rabbah presented above that there would be two violations, 
Ki Aminanan the Chayav Al Habiya the Al Hatumah, that is Chayav for both the entrance into the room and for the initial touching. Kagon the Nichnas Bebayis Shames L'Soychoi. That is a case where a person who had not been defiled walked into a room in which there was a corpse. The Tuma Ubiya Bahadi Hadodi Asyon. This already is a a new approach to uh, what we have said before. So that Rabbi Yochanan is acknowledging the concept of a of a double liability. That's a case where the two problems arose at once. Bahadi Hadodi, namely the entrance to a room in which there's a corpse. So there's the guilt of entering a room with a corpse, and also there's guilt for incurring defilement. The other case, which is represented in the Tanaic source that Abaye had brought into this discussion, which says, to the exclusion of someone who was already defiled, that a second defilement does not impose an additional liability, that's a case where he touched a body outdoors. And then he went into a room, finding himself under the same overshadow, the ceiling, under the same ceiling as a corpse. The potter. There he would be exempt. And I would like to suggest that this explanation is... Uh, presenting, as we said, uh, only one offense, but it's describing the very way we described the original Rabbah, quoting Rav Huna, in saying that there would be two offenses. So, Rabbi Yochanan is telling us as follows. There's a concept of a double violation, but that's only if the two problems set in simultaneously. We can't choose one over the other, so he's guilty for both. However, where they are in succession, where one had already become Tomei by virtue of having touched a body outdoors, and then walked into a room where there was a body, he's Mechulvum, he's already been defiled, so he's not guilty for the second defilement. The Gemara, though, asks, the bias... Nami, even the case of entering a room where there's a corpse. We're at the top of the Mem Gimel Omer Aleph. Is it really so that entering a room in which there's a corpse, a person that had not been defiled before and enters the room, uh, the two happen, the two offenses happen, happen simultaneously, namely entrance, loyovo, and defilement, is it really simultaneous? So the Gemara again at the top of Mem Gimel Omer Aleph. Bebayis Nami, Kevin Ayul Yodei Istoyev. When people walk, they they have a tendency to swing their hands. So that as a person is entering the room, technically speaking, his hand enters first, and that imparts tuma. Ki Ayul Kulei when the, when he fully enters, Hai Tomehu. He's Entering as already as an individual's already been defiled, 
so that the we can the, the hand going into the room that's not called entrance. Your whole body has to enter in order to be called entering. But when your hand entered the room before your entire body, at that point you absorb tumor. So that what what then do we see that the the two offenses of of defilement and entrance are not really simultaneous. El Omar Well, what we have here is a series, a triangle, you can see, series of answers, and on the side, Nosei, Hemshech, a continuation of the topic, and the Mivne, the structure. These triangles are Hezbeirim, Eicha Nichlis Lebayis, Nitmoshtea Tumos, Lo Yitamev, Lo Yovel How could it be that entrance to a room in which there is a corpse that in fact the two violations uh, appear simultaneously so Rabbi suggests Elo Omar Rabbi Lozer Tzireif Yodo Mishum Tumo Iko Mishum Bio Leko Tzireif Gufo Tumo Rashi on the third line from the top, El Omar Belozer, Tsireif Yodo, Kolhecho de Hoishit Yodo Likones Trila. Tsireif in this context then would mean wherever the hand was extended to enter first. So then Rashi goes on, Mishum Tumo Iko, Mishum Bio Leko. There is Defilement, but there is not yet entrance. And it's not as if the two are happening simultaneously. The case that Rabbi Yochanan featured <coughs> is what? He was careful, let us say, to uh, make sure that his hand wouldn't enter first. He he extended his body, we'll say, to enter first. The In such a case where he's making sure that his body and his arms enter all at the same time, so both set upon him simultaneously. As the Gemara goes on, though, we're going to be focusing uh, on what is happening in, we'll say, slow motion or stop motion photography. In a very in a very detailed fashion, the Gemara asks, "Ha, huh? even the case Rebbe Lozer is describing, where he let's say he clasps his hands to his side, but even in that case, ha, e efshad lo ayel chotmo bereisha v'nochis leituma, the person walks in in a." You know, statue-like posture. Is it not so, though, that his nose nose uh, protrudes ahead of his body, or extends forth from his face? Is it not so that his nose enters first, and the tumor sets upon nochisle tumor? The tumor sets upon him, and he has not yet entered to be a violation of lo yavo. So the the two. Offenses are not simultaneous. Elo Omar Rava. Rava presents his distinction. Hichnis Yodo, Mishum Tumo Iko, Mishum Bioleka, Hichnis Gufo, Tumo 
Now just by translating the Gemara, uh, you're not going to really uh, make sense of it, because he seems to be saying the same thing that Rebbe Lozer said. But Teisus explains that Hichnes Gufo is a case where he bent his head, he tilted his head backwards outside the house, so that you don't have the nose entering first. So Rafa said that if your hand is extended and enters before the rest of you enter, so then they're not simultaneous. You have tumma, but you don't have pio. You don't have entrance yet. However, if you uh, tilt your head back and enter that way, so then you'll have both your uh, uh, defilement and entrance simultaneous. Question. When you're walking into the house, even with your head tilted back, is it not so that your toe enters before the rest of you as you're walking in? And if that be the case, so then the tumor is affecting you before you've entered. So you don't have the um, advantage of saying simultaneous entry in order to or simultaneous offense in order to explain how you can be in violation of both. Ella Omar Rav Papa. So Rav Papa has a, a new approach. How can we explain both offenses happening simultaneously? The offense of defilement and entrance. Entrance to a room where there is a corpse. We can note ahead of time that Rav Papa and Marbara Vashi will give answers that remain, that are not challenged. So Rav Papa's scenario is He entered a room while contained within an enclosure, within a, we could say within a box or a, a chest. He was totally enclosed. That enclosure, which are, is referred to either shido, tevo, different forms of closets or, uh, or boxes that were brought into a room where there was a corpse, He's at that point not defiled because of his containment. And someone came along, and, and Tysus adds, and this guy helped as well removing the uh, the box uh, uh, wall or the box covering. Now, if you remove the box covering while in the room where there is a corpse. So the tuma ubiya bahadi adodikasyon, the defilement and his entrance, so to speak, are happening simultaneously because that's his first entrance into this defiled environment. While he was contained in the box, he was not considered in the same domain as the corpse. But with the removal of the box top, he is now considered having entered the domain of the corpse. Because the same overshadow that uh, covers him is also covering the corpse, saying the ceiling of the room. Marbara Vashiyamar Kagon, his example of simultaneous tuma, to go to Ayel Kshugoises. The nausea entered the room uh, while the party was in the throes of death. Goses. He wasn't 
actually dead yet, but he was in the throes of death. So his entrance into the room doesn't represent any form of defilement. And there's also no offense in his having entered the room while the person was still technically alive. And while the Nozir was in the room, this guy dies. The There the defilement and entrance are said to be simultaneous. And in a case like that, the uh, two offenses would apply. With that, we conclude our Shior for today.